0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 5th of January 2014, entitled, Are You in Your Right Mind? Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We started this this morning, and uh, so we'll be coming back to it this evening, and our thoughts, Are You in the Right Mind? Are you in your right mind? Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like minded, having the same love. Being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him... The form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, we do thank you again, Lord, for the privilege of being able to look into your word this evening. Thank you, Lord, for preserving your word through us through the centuries. Thank you that as we gather here this evening that we not only have your word on the pages before us, Lord, that we also have your spirit that dwells within us. It is upon him that we look and depend upon, Lord, to uh, Lord, to make these words alive into our hearts, to give us uh, the teaching to lead us into all truth. And Father, we pray that as we look at these thoughts again this evening, Lord, that you would just take and use them, Lord, for your glory, that they would speak to the hearts of those that are, are here this evening. And Lord, we also would just like to to pray as we uh, failed to do earlier, that you would, uh, uh, Lord, be with uh, Gareth and Ruth tomorrow and in all the dealings on uh, uh, Lord, the house that they are seeking, we just pray that you would open the doors before them. We pray that you would guide and direct, give peace, give wisdom, that they know exactly what your will is. We'll give you all the praise for it in Christ's name, amen and amen. Well, if you missed this morning's sermon, if you want to know what the first part of the sermon was, then it should be up on the website later in the week. But basically, as we head into a new year, uh, we uh, recognize as we looked this morning that so many people, if they look back on the year that we've just come out of, that uh, they've probably spent more of that time in an unhappy state than a happy state. Uh, we all go around saying, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. But what does it take to really have a Happy New Year? Uh, and, of course, as we look into Scripture, we find that, uh, uh, that God gives us principles that we can live by. Now, as we go into a new year, there is no doubt uh, as we've stated, that uh, there will be many, many, many things uh, that you can get discouraged about if you want to. Uh, there'll be many things to try to just knock your feet right out from under you. Uh, there'll be many things to try to not only put you down, but to keep you down. And, uh, and of course, we all have choices. Uh, but we recognize that uh, everything that we do, everything that we say, uh, whatever happens in our lives from taking your next breath to your next heartbeat to all the actions that you perform, that it all begins in the mind. And of course, how we approach this new year is very much going to be what happens in our mind. It's a battlefield. Uh, we know that Satan tries to, uh, uh to put all the wrong thoughts there and everything. But we said that as we, as we look into this passage here, uh, that we have some very clear principles laid out before us. Now we've already covered the, uh, uh the first verse there, where that uh, we said if if there be any consolation in Christ, if that's going to be a reality, there's a condition if there's going to be any consolation, any encouragement that word could be there, if there's going to be any comfort of love, if there's going to be any fellowship of the spirit, that partnership that coming alongside if there's going to be any bowels and mercies, that, that deep affection and, and, and compassion, if those things are going to be there. You see, as we approach the new year, we can go on just like we've been going. Uh, we can be beaten down. We can be discouraged. We can go through depression. We can do all those things. Or we can grasp the promise of God's word because this isn't theory. This is the word of God. If there will be encouragement in Christ, comfort of love, His love, His pure love, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the affection, those things that can be there, we can be encouraged. We don't have to be discouraged. There'll be plenty to discourage us. theres We all get up and we face those days when sometimes we wonder, you know, why am I here, you know? But the truth is, is that the Bible shows us here some principles. If we want these things, and those things can be ours, then we need the right mind. First of all, we said that it takes the like mind. Notice in verse two, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind, that you be like-minded, that you think in the same way is literally what it's saying, that you have the same love. We talked about that love that, that God loves with having the same equal love for everybody. We don't love one more than another. We don't love the lovable and love those that are easy to love and at the same time not love those that are a challenge. You see, the Bible teaches us that if we're going to have that encouragement, that comfort of love, if we're going to have those things in our life, then we've got to be like-minded. We've got to think the same. We've got to have the same love. We've got to love equally amongst all. We looked at those things this morning. We've got to be of one accord. Literally one soul uh, describes our passions, our desires. What are we really wanting in our lives? What are we really going at? Or as long as we stay focused upon the world and the material things and all of those things, then no, we're not going to be of one accord. But here we're talking about spirit. what's really important to us and of one mind. What is our purpose? What is the purpose of our lives? What is it that we really want to accomplish with our lives? You see, the Bible says that if we're going to have that encouragement in Christ, then we need the like mind. But then we said, and we said we wanted to look at this a little bit closer this evening, that we needed also not only the like mind, but we needed the low mind. Notice in verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in Lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Let I ask you this morning to repeat that second word. What does it say? Nothing. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. We talked a little bit about that word strife. It speaks of a of what we might refer to as that that selfish pride that. Uh, drives somebody to do things their own way, regardless of others It's that which brings about divisions and factions because people are just concerned with what I want doesn't matter what anybody else wants doesn't matter what anybody they do it their way, and that 's the way it's going to be. it's a focus upon me, and what I want strife, vainglory, literally empty glory. Empty conceit, if you would, doing things for personal recognition, doing things so that somebody else can see what a good person you are, doing things so that you can get some credit. And so, what we say, what we see here is this: these acts that are being doing. We said every act that we perform, it begins in our mind. What is our mindset? Why are we doing what we are doing in our lives? We're doing it for a reason. It doesn't happen by itself, and it always begins in our mind and what we're thinking. What is our mindset? He says, whatever you're doing, there is absolutely nothing that you should do that should be focused upon what you want, and if you would, look what I've done. Look at me. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at what a good person that I am, wanting that glory. So on the one hand, it's done because it's your desires. And on the other hand, it's done so that you can be recognized. Let nothing in our lives. Why are we doing the things that we're doing? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. He says, but in lowliness of mind, I touched there this morning, and I said that this term that's used here for lowliness of mind was one that, from what I can gather in, in, in reading and studying, it was one that was actually coined by the New Testament writers. Uh, it was one that apparently God, through the Holy Spirit, is like some words in the Bible, there wasn't really a word there, and so they had to come up with one to mean it. This is a word that came to mean something that was low and shabby and humble, if you would. It was the mindset that was behind the Apostle Paul's actions. I want to give you a couple of passages that, again, I just alluded to this morning because we ran out of time. And I said, you know, we've got to be careful because it's so easy for us to kid ourselves or deceive ourselves, you know, into somehow putting up this front, if you would, that we're treating everybody the same, that we're loving everybody the same, that we're really concerned about everybody the same. But what we find here is that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, notice what Paul said to the church at Corinth. He said, For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I, persecuted the church of God. Now, again, Paul, he could have been thinking about his education. He could have been thinking about his, his, his status in comparison to these other fellows that are called apostles. Said this morning, he could have looked and said, well, you know, those guys over there, they were just a bunch of fishermen, <laughs> They haven't been educated like I've been educated. They haven't had a a position like I have, a a position of authority where I was actually given the authority to go out and and to shut these churches down and to persecute these churches. So many times we can look and we can get this idea here that we can do things because we're better equipped to do it because we've got the experience, because we've got the education, because we've got whatever it takes. But we find here that the Apostle Paul, not just some play on words, but in his own mind, he really believed that he was the least of the apostles. You've got to remember what's being written here is under inspiration of the Holy Spirit Paul wasn't playing games. This is an example of the lowliness of mind that the Bible is teaching us that we should have. He also wrote to Timothy this in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. This, he said, is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners I mean, here's something that everybody needs to accept and everybody needs to know. That's that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners, but then notice his next words, of whom I am chief. He didn't see himself. We're talking about an apostle. You see, so many times because maybe we get to a a certain position within the church or maybe because that we've been a Christian for a certain number of years, You know, the devil doesn't really care what he uses to get us there, but we can get to that point that we start feeling self-pride and we start feeling that, that somehow we're more deserving and we're more qualified. The truth is the Bible says that God will take the base things, the lowest things, to confound the wise. We're talking about God's work. The apostle Paul, this great apostle of God, Responsible for starting so many churches. Responsible for writing so much scripture. And yet, in his mind, his mindset, he didn't go around thinking what a great Christian he was and what great things he was doing. He said, I was the worst sinner of all. God saved me. I'm the very least of all the apostles. By God's grace, he uses me. Lowliness of mind. It's not false humiliation. It's not some pretense on the part of the action. The Bible says here that we need to do what we do, do nothing, nothing that we do in strife or vainglory, but what we do should be done in lowliness of mind, in lowliness of mind. Notice his next verse, not only lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You see, it's just simply true humility, true humility. On one hand, you see yourself as the lowest of the low, and on the other hand, you see everyone else as something precious and something special and something worthy. You know the devil loves to play these tricks. We wonder why that somehow we just can't get the upper hand of a lot of these things in our lives. But God gives us these principles that we need to look by everything that you do in this coming year. Everything that you undertake is going to begin in your mind. Are you in your right mind? Are you in the mind that God would have you in so that you can know that encouragement that is there in Christ? Are you in your right mind that you can know that comfort of love that only comes from Him, that fellowship, that partnership of of the Spirit being right there with you, those bowels and mercies, that deep affection and compassion? He cares and He's always there. Do we want that? Then if we want it, He said we need to be like-minded, and we need to be low-minded. We've got to get our eyes off of what we are and what we deserve and how good we are and all these grand things, and it really gets our eyes on everybody else. What's he say here? Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, our problem is we kind of take that verse and twist it around. The Bible here, totally, totally, completely in its context. Remember, you're looking at everybody else. You're seeing them as better than yourself. You're seeing yourself as the unworthy one. He's not talking here about looking on everybody else's faults, he's talking about looking on their things, their needs. Our focus, you see, so many times, if you want to go through this year and if you want to experience the same thing, you want to go through the same type of discouragements and being down and all of those things, that's your choice, and nobody can do anything about it because you're the one. You're the one that's going to make the choices. And the fact is, is no matter how much the people try to help us, I said this morning, I can want to help you more than anything in the world. But the one that can be there with you literally 24-7, the one that will never, ever, 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 ever leave you on your own, the one that his encouragement can always be there, his comfort of love can be there, his fellowship, his partnership, his compassion, his deep affection, that's what will get you through this next year, and let it be truly a happy new year. It has nothing to do with what circumstances. You might fight more battles and go through more valleys than you've ever gone through in your life, but if you go through it his way, it'll still be your best year. You can still be encouraged in the midst of those discouragements. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. You see, one of the real keys here is getting our eyes off of me and getting my eyes onto others, not in the critical sense, but in the sense all the criticism is coming towards me. I'm the one. You know, I'm the one that's the lowest. I'm the worst sinner out there. I'm the one that doesn't deserve. But your ideas on trying to help those around you, trying to do something for them, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. What's what's more important to us? Our own things or the things of others. We read that passage this morning where that you know we say with our mouths that we love somebody, and yet we see our brother in need, and we don't do anything to do that, then the love of God is not in us. You know, it's going to show what's happening in our mind, what what really is going on in here? It's going to come through in our actions. I said this morning, I want, I want to wish every one of you a happy new year, but I want to do more than just make it words that fly out and how many times that we say it and how many people say it to you and nobody even stops to think about what they're saying. The truth is, God tells us how it can be a reality, how you can have the encouragement that's there in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to truly have a happy year, then we're going to have the right mind. The right mind is a like mind, a low mind. I said, finally, it's the Lord's mind. Notice what he says in the next verse in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You See, that's really ultimately the key to everything else here. This kind of genuine happiness that we're talking about is not dependent upon any circumstances. You know, whether or not that you're really happy this week, you might kid yourself and the devil might kid you into thinking that it depends upon how things go for you. Whether it's an easy week or a hard week. How many really difficult situations that you're going to have to face No, it's not dependent upon circumstances around us at all. It only is going to come, though, when we genuinely, first of all, have Christ in our hearts. The things that we've already looked at, they're only possible through Him. You're absolutely 100% right. If you were thinking, we're talking about many of those things that they were completely impossible. You know, some of them are. They're completely impossible within ourselves. You know, if you were thinking how impossible some, if not all of them were, then you're right. But you know, praise the Lord, they're absolutely possible with the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to have the right mind is to have the Lord's mind. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Yes, he is our ultimate example of selfless humility, of of self-sacrifice, of love with Christ in you. It makes it possible for you to have the same mind, the same mindset, the same thinking, the same way that Christ would be thinking about it. Verses 6. The eight here are, I mean, man, you could get several sermons all of their own out of there. But just notice what he's saying as we just look at the overall view. He says in verse 6, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus in verse 5. Verse 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And again, a lot could be said there, but you know what he's really saying, who... Being in the form of God, that word there that's translated for form, it literally means in the very essence of God. Being God in every way possible, being a hundred percent God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You see, Jesus Christ, he was divine in every way. He was the unchanging God of eternity, past and eternity, future. He was the very essence and character of all that God is. He was equal, exactly the same in every sense. This word that's translated here of of robbery had to do with with snatching something away, of of grasping something from, from someone else. And what he's trying to say to us here is that, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, can we grasp that in every sense, every possible way, he was God, and yet his attitude, his mindset was not to cling on to that because it was his, and if anybody ever deserved it, he deserved it. It was all him. He was everything that God could be, and yet he didn't cling on to that. He says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Made himself of no reputation. There's a theological teaching that goes along with this, that these words describe, which is really talking about Christ self-emptying himself. He was God. He emptied himself when he came in the incarnation that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks over Christmas. He never ceased to be God, and yet he completely became man. No, not ceasing to be God, he willingly set aside more than any of us can ever begin to imagine. Many of the rightful privileges that were his, and we could look at many, but as an example, what did he empty himself of here? When he made himself of no reputation, when he took on the form of a servant, well, all the heavenly glory that he had with the Father, we, we've never seen that kind of glory. To be in the glory in the presence of God where there is no sin, Jesus Christ emptied himself of that, came as a man. He emptied himself of the independent authority that he had as God. And he came and he submitted himself totally to the will of the Father as a man. He set aside all of his divine, godly prerogatives, if you would. And even while he was here on earth, he became submissive to the Holy Spirit's direction. He set aside all of his eternal riches, and he came as a poor, humble man that owned nothing. He set aside his Father's nearness. I think probably something that we'll never, ever even begin to understand when Jesus hung on that cross and became sin for us. And he cried out those faithful words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I don't believe we can even grasp the depths of the pain of what he took when he did that for us. Jesus Christ, the creator and God of the universe in every way, the lowliness of mind that he shows us He set all that aside and took on the form of a servant. (laughs) He literally, the same word, you notice that it first of all, that it said he being in the form of God, but then here he's talking about took upon him the form of a servant. In other words, in every way, just as he was the exact essence of God in every way possible, He became the exact essence of a bondservant, of a slave. He came to this earth. You see, it's hard to understand. He was more than just God in a fleshly coat or something. Without ceasing to be God, he was made in man's likeness. He knew all of the essential attributes of man just as much as he did of God down to our basic needs. Hebrews 2.14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus also himself, likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Three verses later, verse 17, wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, Why? That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. He understands our pain. He knows what we feel. He understands every temptation that we face because that's why he came and he became, in essence, everything to feel what we feel, to understand what we understand so that he could be our high priest, so that he could intercede on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. You know, we have a choice. We have a choice. And Jesus, though he never ceased to be 100% God, he became 100% man. The only man that ever lived. The only man that was ever tempted in every way that we are tempted. And yet, never sinned. You see, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and came obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He looked like a man. He was a man in every way. Yet at the same time, he was much more than that because he was God. As a man, he humbled himself. He subjected himself to all the humiliation that man could dish out upon him. They rejected him. They humiliated him in the worst possible ways. Jesus lowered himself to the most degrading death that he could face on this earth. He allowed those to execute him like a common criminal The cross was no ordinary means of execution. Do you know that even the Jews hated the cross as a means of execution? It was the cruelest, most excruciating, most degrading form of death that was possible that the Romans had come up with to totally and completely humiliate a person when they put them to death. But you see, Jesus did that because he esteemed us, because he loved us that much, because he put our needs ahead of his own. He shows us the greatest example of all of what true lowliness of mind is. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus Let me try to wrap these up in a simple thought as we bring it to a close. What does the new year ahead hold for you? You see, the simple truth is that we're going to make choices that are going to affect our entire year. They're going to affect the way that we go through it. I'm asking you honestly because I said this morning that I genuinely... I want you to have a happy year. I want it to be your happiest ever. I don't know what circumstances you might face. I don't know what valleys you might have to go through. I don't know what battles that there might be, but I know that God's word works. Too many times we know all these biblical facts. This is not just facts to know. This is our mindset. This is why we do the things we do. Why? Why do you do the things you do? How do you do those things? What is your mindset? Will this year be more of the same discouragements? Will this year be a lack of any real joy and happiness in your life? You see, I'm not talking about a life that doesn't have its struggles and its problems. I'm talking about as a child of God, you can know peace and happiness despite those things. They don't have to beat you down. It's a question of what each and every one of us want. Because you can very, very easily, and I said it this morning and I say it tonight, but when I was studying these things and I'm looking there, and you know the truth is, every one of us, your pastor included, we can close the Bible and ignore those things and go out and just face another year the same way we went through the last one, and we can choose to do that. Or we can recognize that this is God's Word and this is God's prophet, and he said, if there be therefore any consolation, any encouragement in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any bowels and mercies, then he says you need to get your mind right. Because that's what he goes on to talk about. The year ahead doesn't have to be the same. It can be happy if you've got the right mind, the like mind. Having the same love. Loving people genuinely, equally as God does unconditionally, whether they deserve it or whether they don't, sacrificially Loving the way that Christ loved with that agape love. Being of one accord. United in spirit. Passionate and desirous of the same things. Why? Because it's God's things. Our passion is upon the things that Christ wants for us. Not what I want. Being of one mind. Focused on the same purpose. What is the purpose of our life going to be for this year? What will it accomplish in eternity? You see, we need the like mind. We need to be bonded together in a love and a unity. You know, I pointed out this morning when when Paul started verse 2, fulfill ye my joy. The Philippian church, the church of Philippi, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Our unity has much to do with our joy and our happiness. The like-mind, the low-mind, doing nothing through strife or vainglory. Not doing things because it's what I want to do not doing it because it's something that I can be recognized for, but rather do everything I do in lowliness of mind, knowing that I am not any better or any more deserving than any other soul. Honestly, seeing each of those individuals as more than me, being more concerned for them for their needs than for my own. That's the low mind. We need the like mind, the low mind, the Lord's mind. Having the mind of Christ, thinking like He thinks. You know, He doesn't have enough control of our lives for us to even know what He thinks sometimes, let alone thinking like Him. The one that was willing to sacrifice everything for others though he rightly deserved everything that he had, willingly to be rejected, to submit himself to the cruelest of mankind, all for the sake of others. I know it doesn't make sense, but the fact is when you start trying to do something about helping the other person's troubles, your troubles just seem not so important anymore. You see, I said this morning that you'll make some choices even before you leave here today. You know, were you determined to have the right mind? The right mind for a truly happy year ahead? Well, I want to give you this closing thought. I just want to read a couple of passages that I hope would cheer you. First of all, he goes on here in verses 9 to 11. This is what may be this year. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ submitted himself to the lowest that he could, the lowest that this earth could make him, the the greatest ridicule. He faced the ultimate death He did that, but God has exalted him above all else. You see, I don't know what the world's eyes might be like when they look at you this year. (laughs) I don't know how much ridicule you might get because you truly, truly do determine to think like Christ and act like he would act instead of how you would act, act in a way that he would get the glory and not you The truth is, there'll be some ridicule if you live that kind of a life. The world can do all kinds of nasty things to you. Is it worth it? Well, let me give you this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5. And he's speaking, first of all, here to the elders, and then he's speaking to everybody else in the church. I'm saying, I think he says it's worth it for everybody, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, starts, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. A partaker being part of that glory? He says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble." Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You see, I just want to share something that God showed me in his Word. There's a lot to get discouraged about, but we've got everything to be encouraged about. We can be encouraged amidst it all, but if there's going to be any encouragement in Christ, if there's going to be any comfort of love, there's going to be the fellowship of the Spirit, there's going to be the bowels and mercies, then we need to have the right mind. The like mind, the low mind, and the Lord's mind. That's what He says. If we want that encouragement, if that's going to be, then this is the action that it must be. This is what it requires to know that. I hope this is the greatest year that you'll ever face in your entire life. I hope that you could be nearer to the Lord than you've ever, ever, ever been before. But the temptation is going to be just to carry on in the same rut, carry on in the same routine. We all get there, and you know what? Even though sometimes we don't like it, we kind of get comfortable because we're used to it. But the truth is, you don't have to be there. You've got a choice to make. But these are things we've got to start thinking right because all of your actions, everything that happens in your life, is going to begin in your mind. And it's, do you start thinking right, you're not going to act right. Do you start thinking right, the things aren't going to go right. But we can think right. We can think God's way. And then suddenly, all those other things pale in comparison. We've got Him. Father, thank You this evening. Thank You, Lord, as we look at these passages. That I thank You, Lord, as certainly in my own study time and just trying to, Lord, come up with these feeble thoughts that I thank you, Lord, for speaking to this pastor because he needed these verses. And I pray, Lord, that you speak to us as a church. Lord, people have got a lot that can get them down, that can knock them down, and it's real. The battles are real, and the struggles are real, and there's so many things out there that can discourage. Lord, we need the encouragement that can come in Christ. We need that comfort of love that comes from Him being there with us, that fellowship of the Spirit, those bowels and mercies. Lord, I pray that you can help us to know that, regardless of the circumstances But you teach us in these passages that if we're going to know that, then there's some things we've got to start thinking right about. There's a mindset that we've got to have, and it's not just some play on words, not some hocus-pocus magic, but it truly is a reality in our lives that we've got to start thinking right about those around us and about you. I pray now that you do the work in each life that only you can. We we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen.